Hey, good morning. My name is Mark Ming, and I'm on the teaching team here at the church, and I'm bringing you the message this morning. So, we started our Advent series last week. Jeremy kicked it off with his message. And in the message that Jeremy presented last week, you probably heard the term risk a good bit. Uh, this particular series, we're going to be looking at, as Jeremy said, three individuals, and we're going to be talking about the risk involved with uh, serving God at times. We're going to talk about the fear that we get uh, when we encounter risk, when we think about risk, and facing those fears. And uh, so, um, you know, I thought about this and thinking about risks, right? You know, we face risks all the time. I mean, in our earthly lives, we're facing risks all the time. Usually, I think, we don't really think they're risks. We may not use that terminology, but they're risks nevertheless. For example, some, suppose you are going to start a new physical regimen, right? Uh, maybe you haven't exercised in quite a while. Maybe it's something brand new, working a part of your body you haven't been working recently. What do you do? You proceed slowly in beginning the new regimen, right? You don't just go out there and push it. Why is that? Because there's a risk that if you work your body too hard initially, you could injure it, right? You could pull a muscle, you could strain it, at least wake up terribly sore where you can't hardly move, right? So you know that and you mitigate the risk by proceeding slowly. And there's just risks in everything we do in life. There's risk in the kingdom. There's risk serving Jesus. There's risk following Jesus. And um, let me ask you a question. Talking about Mary, we're going to talk about Mary today. Do you think it's possible that Mary felt nervous at the proposition that was given to her, at the call that came to her through the angel? Do you think she felt apprehensive? That's a good word, apprehension. Apprehension is this, uh, really it's this emotion and the thought process where you, you, there's something in the future and your mind doesn't know what's going to happen. And so you feel anxious. The emotion of anxiety comes because you can't predict the future. You don't know how it's going to turn out. Also, apprehension can be the emotion of alarm because, again, you consider the future and you may conclude there's potential harm that could come out of me doing this. Uh, maybe physical harm, maybe emotional harm through rejection. And so the emotion of an alarm comes forth. Apprehension, it's that, that anxiety, that alarm that happens when we look at the future of something we're going to embark in and mm, we, can't, we don't know what's going to happen. You think Mary felt apprehension regarding this proclamation coming to her? Let me ask you something. Do you, have, you ever, have you ever had the Holy Spirit speak to you about something and you felt nervous when you considered doing that? You felt apprehensive to step into that and, and obey that? You know, maybe it was something that you felt the Holy Spirit speaking to you inside you, right? That still small voice that we talk about, the Holy Spirit's voice where you can pick it up, you, you can sense Him speaking to you and maybe ask, challenging you, saying, this, I want you to do this. Maybe it is something that you're in, a, in the service and through the message, 
it's like something really hits you that is spoken. As if God was right there really speaking. And you, you just feel that go right in you. You're like, wow. Maybe it was a prophetic word. Maybe it was just a general announcement to the church. Hey, we need help. Vineyard Kids needs help. Or we're going out to the bus station and we're going to pass out food and, and talk to people or, or th- whatever. And have you, has that ever happened and, and you felt nervous about that? You felt some fear? You felt apprehension? So we're going to talk about Mary. And you probably heard the story about her before, but when we talk about here, we're going to look at really some, we're going to glean some, some keys, I think, that can help us face risks in following Jesus, obeying Jesus, whom we can't see, His Spirit's in us, but we can't see Him, and completing and being faithful to the things He, he calls us to do. And it doesn't have to be some big calling. It could be just simple things like, I want you to go apologize to your spouse, to your kids, to your coworker. I want you to do this. I want you to give this financially. Little things that could make us apprehensive. So I am going to be reading in Luke chapter 1. If you have a Bible, hey, pick it up and read it with me. Uh, got an app on your phone. Um, Luke chapter 1. This is the Christmas story, a part of it. Now, this is in verse 26. I'll be starting there, and it says this. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. The virgin's name was Mary. Now, let's talk about that. So, here's this Jewish woman. Her name is Mary. She's pledged. We don't use that word. She's pledged to a man named Joseph. Closest thing we have for that is engagement, right? But it's not quite like that. Uh, generally speaking, right, when a person, two people get engaged, they probably, for the most part, have a general idea about when they're going to be getting married. Um, probably not too far long after that, they actually set the date. It could be a year, it could be two years in advance, but generally speaking, right, it's, the engagement period is, is kind of short, relatively speaking. And back in the day of, uh, of Mary, a young woman would be pledged to a man. But there was no real timeline for when the actual marriage would occur. And also, get this, many of the, uh, generally speaking, a, a young woman was like 12 to 14 years when she was pledged. I know that sounds crazy, but back in that day, uh, people married generally in their teens. Not all the time, but generally speaking, it was common to be married in your teens. And so all scholars have looked at this and come to the conclusion, Mary's probably, you know, in her early teens. Now, she's physically mature to bear children, but she's young. She's a young teenager, probably uh, maybe mid-teens at best. And she's pledged to this guy, Joseph. She does, there's no date. She doesn't know when they're actually going to get married, but she's pledged. Usually the parents get involved with that. And so this angel comes from our Heavenly Father 
to this woman, this young woman named Mary. She's never been married before. And the angel went into her, we're at verse 28. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. Now, here's what happens, right? We don't know exactly how the angel appeared. Uh, but needless to say, suddenly there's this person, I guess, in the room. Maybe she was out in the field. She was alone, we gather. And suddenly there's this person there, and the person says, Hello, Mary, you are favored from God, and God has a plan for you. And she's really taken aback by that. Kind of shows that Mary is probably just a, a simple Jewish gal, you know, young teenager girl, pledged and just going about her chores, not thinking a whole lot about herself, just a, a humble, a sweet teenage Jewish young, young woman. But the angel makes this proclamation, and she's really troubled by that and trying to figure that out. Not, you know, probably the angel sees her, her body language, right? Her, maybe her, her, her brows kind of moved in like that and trying to really understand, what, what, what are you saying to me? What does that mean? And the angel says, do not be afraid, Mary. And he goes on to continue to tell her why he's there. And this is what he says. He says, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be with child, conceive, and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great, and we be called the Son of the Most High. Now, this is what Mary says in response. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. Now, you know, Mary's question, it's really not a question of doubt. She's not saying, well, I don't know. I mean, this doesn't seem like it's possible. She's not questioning the ability for this to happen. She's, she's inquiring like, well, how can you tell me I'm going to conceive and bear a child? I, I'm not married. I don't know when I'm getting married. So, what does that mean? How, how can this be? And the angel continues and he says this. Powerful words. He says, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. He says, basically, Mary, you're going to be come pregnant by the power of God. Now, that's pretty awesome. And what we find here, and this is where we want to really get down into what we're to learn from this situation with Mary. How does Mary deal with this news? I mean, how does she deal with the fear, the apprehension? I mean, this is a heavy statement coming to just a a young teenage girl just minding her business, doing her chores, whatever she was doing. And suddenly 
there's this life-changing proclamation. There's this call upon her. Now, again, I said, not everything God calls us to do is this awesome thing, but it, this was awesome. And here's what happens. Mary, this is verse 38. The first thing Mary says is, I am the Lord's servant. I am the Lord's servant. You know, I'm thinking about that and how, you know, what does that mean? You know, Mary, Mary's in the old covenant still, right? Jesus hasn't come yet, and so He hasn't died on the cross yet to invoke the new covenant. So Mary's under the old covenant time, but she's a faithful Jewish gal, and, you know, she knows the lineage of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and she knows she's in that covenant relationship with God. And she could have said, you know, I know that um, God is with me. I know that I'm a child of God. I know I'm a daughter of the Most High. She doesn't say that. She doesn't identify with that. She could have. She also doesn't say, well, I know that God loves me. I know He loves me. She doesn't, she doesn't identify with that. She doesn't respond that way. Those are very legitimate ways for us to respond. I mean, if you think about it, knowing that you are born again, the Holy Spirit is in you, and therefore you are a, a, a child of God in, in a real way. You are adopted into the family, God's eternal family Himself into the Trinity. You, you are now a son. You are now a daughter. That is a very, that's a very important place for every Christian to come to, that they know that within themselves. Very legitimate to say that, but she doesn't respond that way. Very important to know I'm loved by God. God loves me. He loves me for who I am. He doesn't love me because of my obedience. He loves me for who I am. And He has made me His child. Being loved by Him, that is important for a, a believer, a Christian to, to know that. And it's settled. They know they're loved by God. Two very critical points of, of maturity to come to that where it's rock solid in you. But she doesn't identify with that. You know what she does? She says, I am the Lord's servant. You know, you and I no, no believer, no Christian can truly mature without coming to this point of internalizing the truth, the reality that I am the Lord's servant. You know, we'll forever be in Christ, His son or daughter. We'll forever be adopted. We'll forever be loved. But you know what? We will always forever serve Him. And serving Him has to become another aspect of our identity that we, as an individual, have to identify with to step into maturity. You know, it makes me think about kids on a playground, right? I mean, you see the three, four, five, six-year-olds, they're on the playground and they're going down the slide and they're on the swing and they're running around and giggling. And, you know, they are having the times of their lives. The parents are off on the side watching, right? They may be conversing with each other, but they're watching because the kids really don't 
yet no danger, you know, or they can stumble, they can run in front of the swing when the person is swinging. And, and so the parents are watching, but the kids are kind of oblivious to all that. They're just out there playing, right? But what happens over time as a child begins to grow, first grade, fourth grade, junior high, high school, they develop and they're given more responsibility, right? It's expected. They're maturing. And with that comes more responsibility. It's natural. We don't really even think about it. It's the same way with now being a child through Christ, a child of our Heavenly Father, adopted son and daughter. That, you know, God loves me. That's great. That's not childish. It's eternal. And I'm His child. That's not necessarily just childish. That's always going to be with us. But we have to come to that place where we begin to realize this isn't about me. This life I'm living now is not about me. I was created by Him and for Him. And there's a part of us that has to identify with, I am the Lord's servant. Mm, good stuff. So the next thing, here she continues. She doesn't stop right there. This is what she says. May it be to me as you have said. Wow. May it be to me as you have said. I mean, she doesn't say, well, I'm the Lord's servant, but. <laughs> she doesn't say that, right? You know, hey, but, but I want to just let you know, it's not going to be quite like you're saying, Angel, no. I am the Lord's servant, therefore, may it be to me as you have said. You know, the whole the whole story, the whole call of our Heavenly Father upon Mary hinges right there on her response. Do you realize that? I mean, it can go either way. It's hinging on her response. And so it's really these words, may it be done as you have said, that seals the deal. She identifies first, listen, I am the Lord's servant. This is not about me. Therefore, may it be done according to your words. You know, it's interesting. The, our Heavenly Father, through the angel, does not come to Mary to ask her opinion, to say, well, hey, what do you think about this? Would you be willing to do this? He comes declaring, this is what I have called you to do. Wow. And Mary responds. She faces her risk. She stares risk right in the face. I mean, she faces her fear. She faces, faces her apprehension right there in the face. I mean, think about it. The reality that I'm going to be a pregnant, unwed woman. And on top of that, the story and the explanation that I was impregnated by God. Who's, you know... She had to have dealt with that, even in a moment of seconds. But she stands true in who she is, who she identifies with. That is, that she's a servant, and that, therefore, let it be done. And you know what? The story wraps up with these few words. I like this. It says, then the angel left her. <laughs> like, mission accomplished, right? The angel left her. 
Yeah, I think personally, I think she conceived right there. Right there at the, on the spot. I think when she said, let it be done, and the angel leaves, it was done. You know, I'm thinking about that, how the angel just leaves. Um, you know, it's, it can be easy for her to think, well, I mean, this angel's in the room. I don't know. Is there, is there this great sense of the presence of God there or this anointing or, you know, is there this glow emanating from the angel? You know, it, it could be easy to say, oh, yes, I definitely, God, I will definitely do that. But what happens when the angel leaves? She's left alone. You know, that's when courage has to set in for her to move forward with the plan of God. And the same thing for us. I mean, you ever been to a conference and it's great, man. It's like I go to the vineyard conferences. They're beautiful. It's like four or five days and the, the band has is, is got these fantastic musicians and the sound system's good and the messages are good and we have ministry time and people are, oh, the Holy Spirit's moving and it's like, wow, this is great. And then the next day it happens again. And, <laughs> you know, it's fantastic. And it's easy to say, yes, God, yes. But what happens two weeks after the conference when the feeling isn't there, you know? Can you move still forward with the things that God calls you to do when there isn't all the hoopla, the, the emotional feelings that you have? Can you? And so in summary, let's think about this. I mean, Mary is just a, a great case study for us for us to realize that, you know what, we are called. All of us are called, at least, into Christ. But that's not all. The Holy Spirit is going to speak to us. So let's summarize right quick. Here's Mary. She has the Lord come to her through the angel, and she identifies with, I am the Lord's servant. She says, therefore, let your words be done. I agree with them. And the angel, it's over with. The, the transaction is completed. And so it's a wonderful opportunity for us to learn that identifying as the Lord's servant and then carrying that out through the obedient part we have in that is how we reach maturity. So let me give you a practical tip, okay? We know that Mary... Uh, I think, probably had some fears, some apprehension, right? She realized she's going to be an unwed, pregnant woman with practically somewhat of an unbelievable story how she became pregnant. And all the fears, all the mockery, all the rejections, pain that's going to come from that. Let me ask you something. Have you ever had the Lord, through His Spirit, put something on you to do, but you allow the opinions of others to keep you from carrying that out. So I want you to think about that this week. And if so, even as I said that, if there's something coming to you, that's, a, that's the Holy Spirit, I believe. And have a dialogue with Him. Spend a moment, talk to Him about that. You may find yourself confessing it as sin, good thing to do. You may ask Him to give you strength. I want to be obedient, Lord. Help me with that. And um, let Him work with you in that so He can bring us forward into further growth. Hey, we're going to have a communion time right now. I want to encourage you, if you go to the table, 
today with the bread and the juice. Maybe dialogue about this just very briefly. Lord, come and forgive me for all the times that I have not followed through what you said. Lord, help me to be stronger. Help me to be obedient. Help me to identify with being your servant. Okay, good stuff. Let's go to communion.